Amen. That's a great song, too. What a powerful message. Bow the knee. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we somehow refer that back to our salvation, and certainly we could, but, well, that's something we need to do every day, isn't it? Continually humble ourselves and bow the knee. Amen. Not enough to do it once. We need to do it consistently, continually. What a tremendous message and song. Great job, young ladies. That was wonderful. Take your Bibles, look over James chapter 3. We're back in our series, When Should We Hold Our Tongues, According to the Scriptures. When should we hold our tongues? James chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. We're going to read through verse 6, and then we'll go ahead and uh, take a look. We have a couple more to finish up, and then I've got one more lesson, basically. And We've been talking about when should we hold our tongues, but when it's all said and done... We're going to share, when should we open our mouths? Okay, but that will be probably just one lesson. We're only supposed to open our mouths so little, you know what I mean? So, 
There's not a whole lot we can talk about. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and uh, take a look at James chapter 3. Beginning in verse 3, we read, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Again, we've looked at this passage over and over again, but without belaboring the point, the tongue is a very potentially destructive member of our person. I mean, the potential for evil is off the chart. The tongue is one thing that can certainly disrupt and destroy everything around it. And the Bible even goes on here in the passage to let us know how devilish the tongue can be when it says that basically the tongue is set on fire of hell. That it's lit by the fires of hell. And I guess we could kind of imagine that being a, a, a kind of a, a picture of it being fueled by hell itself. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where my tongue has been fueled by the fires of hell. I have said some things in the past. I have made statements that I know were not out of heaven at all. That if they were brought before this whole crowd, you would just shudder probably. It's an amazing thing how haughty we can get, how arrogant we can become, how we look at our lives sometimes and we could say, boy, I can't imagine being like that. When in reality, if God just opened up our heart before the world, we'd be embarrassed beyond comprehension. If he could open up our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and expose them before the world in which we live, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones, might we, oh boy, we would want to crawl under the Smallest rock, hide ourselves, couldn't we? It's funny, and it's not funny necessarily, but it's interesting as folks become, uh, if they start to get dementia, eventually begin to work into Alzheimer's, it's not uncommon for them to kind of slip back into the flesh. It's not uncommon for them to start to talk maybe like they did when they were in the army. It's not uncommon for them to say things that are, feel hurtful or, or seem to be unscriptural. And let me just tell you something, that's not their fault. That's right. They can't control that. That's just a phase they're going through in their illness, their sickness. And you need to show compassion to them. And if any chance, by chance, maybe somebody in our church is like that at some point, And you're sitting around and talking and next thing you know, words are coming out of someone's mouth. And your child's like, huh? You just need to go, honey, it's all right. They, we'll talk about it later, and then when you get them at home, you need to say, you know, they're struggling, they've got a disease, and it causes them to say things that they know they shouldn't, but they can't help it. Simple. Show them, be kind to them, love on them. I'm just telling you that our tongues, though, whether we are young or old, have been used many times and have been lit on fire of hell. Boy, we need to be very, very uh, humble when it comes to this thing called the tongue. Very humble. 
So we started talking and we asked the question, when should we hold our tongues then? Because if the tongue can be used for such damaging, if it can be used to damage so many people, hurt so many lives, well, then we need to hold our tongue. And we said, well, when you're tempted to flatter a wicked person, if you're supposed to be working, hold your tongue. If in the heat of anger, hold your tongue. We said, when you don't have all the facts, hold your tongue. When you're tempted to joke about sin, if you'd be ashamed of your words later, hold your tongue. Before we make a vow or promise we'll not keep, we ought to hold our tongues. We, we went on finally to say, if your words will damage someone's reputation or destroy a friendship, or finally, when we're feeling critical, hold your tongue. I want to finish up with the last couple tonight, and they're real simple. First of all, when it's time to listen, we ought to hold our tongues. And finally, when we don't have anything really worth saying, we ought to hold our tongues. So let's go ahead and have a quick word of prayer, and we'll touch on those, and we'll close this portion of our series out. And then next week we'll come along, Lord willing, and um, we'll discuss this issue of when should we open our mouths. Father, we thank you and we praise you for another opportunity to just consider your word. We need you now. Speak to our hearts and help us, Lord, as believers to truly be attentive to your word, to be very, very careful how we use our tongues, realizing, Lord, that our tongues are a reflection of you. May we, Father, be Christ-like in our attitude and in our speech. We love you. We thank you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so when should we hold our tongues? Well, when, we're, uh, when, when it's time to listen. That's, that sounds pretty simple, but it's a pretty good lesson to learn. Um, in Proverbs 13, 1, turn there, would you please? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. An amazing, wonderful passage. I mean, the Bible, there's all, I mean, we always say, now this is a good one. Well, they're all good, aren't they? I mean, the Word of God's great, okay? But notice what it says here in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. It says, A wise son heareth his father's instruction. That's a pretty wise son, isn't it? It's not really complicated to be wise. In this case, as a son, you simply need to listen to your father. You need to listen. You need to hear their instruction. It's not hard. It really isn't. It's not complicated. It's pretty simple. And then it goes on to say, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. A scorner heareth not rebuke. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, turn there, would you please? Probably one of the great passages in all the Bible. One of the most familiar passages. Chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. You know, a time for this and a time for that, right? Well, let's go ahead and take a look at that. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Chapter 3. Let's begin in verse, well, let's just look at verse 1 to begin with. The Bible says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. In our singles class this morning, we were talking about, we're talking about finding the, the right person to marry, basically. And uh, through the course of our questions, we're asking a series of questions along the way. But one of the things we noted today was that the timing is important. It's not just the who, but the when. That the timing of things is important, too. That, that this may even be the one that God would have you be with 
for the rest of your life and to grow old together. But the fact is, is it may not be the perfect timing to be married. And so we discuss some of those things. And in this passage, the Bible alludes to that, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. I want you to look at verse 7, however, and I want you to notice that God addresses this issue with our tongue again. Notice what he says in verse 7. A time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. You know, there's a time to keep silent. There's a time when we shouldn't be speaking. We ought to just be simply listening. On a windswept hill in an English country courtyard stands this very drab gray slate tombstone. That that tombstone bears an epitaph that isn't very easy to see, really. It's rather faded, actually. You have to stoop down pretty low to see it, even, because it's so faint. But if you could, and you did, get down that low, you would read this on that tombstone. Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. Now, I don't know about you, but I get the impression that just possibly Annabella was a talker. I wonder how many times we've been viewed that way. Obviously, as a preacher, you've got to be a talker, right? You get up in front of people and talk all the time. But, I mean, there's people that are known for just excessively talking. No matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, it's like, oh, my, here they are. Oh, well. You know, you know where I'm going with that. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Wherefore, my, belo- my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Do you realize that listening is a vital part of our overall success in life? Think about when you were a child in school. How many times did your teacher say, hey, stop talking? Stop talking. I remember Mrs. Lockhart in third grade. That's when all of my best buddies ended up in prison. They all went away and that's I found out they were in children's prisons. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Three of my best friends ended up in the DH, the detention center. In third grade, I ran with a tough crowd. The naked streets of Ellet. <laughs> but Mrs. Lockhart had my family in, my parents in, for a parent-teacher conference. And uh, she gathered them together and she brought them in and they sat there and they spoke to Mrs. Lockhart. And Mrs. Lockhart began to talk and speak of my progress and all the things that had been going on in class. And uh, finally, uh, toward the end of the conversation, my mom said, now, are you having a... In the past, my son's had a problem with talking in class. Um, Has he been a problem? Does he talk in class? She said, oh, no, not at all. Mark never talks in class. He just yells across the room. (laughs) That went over real well. And my parents were so proud of me. But there are times to hold our tongues. There's times to not say anything, to simply listen. And boy, honestly, it's a vital part of our overall success in life. You know, when I was in the military and I was in basic training and we had what was called a, a, our, our, our smart book and it just had all the important things you needed to learn and the, the sergeants and the different uh, trainers would stand in front of us and they would say, all right, you sit there in attention, you listen, you know, intently because your life depends on what you're hearing. And you're like, what? 
and you start to think about it, and when they're telling you and teaching you about using gas masks and all those different things, and you get kind of nervous and think, man, if I don't get something, it could cost me my life in battle. And I learned real quick to just shut my mouth and listen. It was not time to talk in that class. It was time to listen because there was so much at stake. And you want to know something? Whether it's school where you're attending now, whether it's in your home and your parents are speaking to you, whether it's a, 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 a police officer or a neighbor or a friend, I'm going to tell you something. There's times when it's just do, you're, you're, you're best just to listen. It seems today that people want to talk a lot. Well, we've got to be careful. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Listening is a vital part of our overall success in life. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 teaches us something else as well concerning this. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, if any man hear my voice, somebody's got to be listening if they're going to hear, right? If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Do you realize that listening is a vital part of procuring our glorious salvation? You realize that you can't be saved if you don't stop long enough to listen to the truth? I mean, there are times when we shouldn't be talking. We ought to be listening. It's difficult to hear someone else when you're talking yourself. The better part of communication is listening. And that's a lesson that we all need to learn well. In Psalm chapter 5, verse 3 we come to the psalmist and he makes this statement. He says, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and I will look up. Again, we have here the psalmist who is talking about the fact that he speaks and someone is listening to him. And that someone is none other than God himself. God is listening to the psalmist. Do you realize and do, can I possibly even fathom the fact that God cares enough about me that he's literally listening to me? That's an amazing concept, an amazing truth. That the God of heaven that created the whole universe cares enough about me to listen to me. Oh, that's amazing. As God's children, again, we're blessed to always have a listening ear. We know God understands us. Why? Because he listens to us. Listening, listening is the most indispensable part of any evolving relationship. And yet it's one of the most neglected. I wonder why our relationships are so stale. Why they're so dead. Maybe it's because we're not listening. We're not listening like we ought to. Edward, Edgar Watson Howe, he once joked, he said, no man would listen to you talk if he didn't know it was his turn next. <laughs> There's some truth to that, isn't there? Too often we're too busy waiting for our turn to speak to really listen to others. We're already formulating what we're going to say before we even really, they even before they even get the sentence out of their mouth. And I know that our minds work so awfully fast, and it is very difficult at times to do that, but too often we don't hear the whole statement, and we'll even wonder why we misunderstood, because we were already trying to conceive in our mind what we're going to say and how we're going to respond. 
before we even knew what they said completely. When Lyndon B. Johnson was a junior senator from Texas, he kept a sign on his office wall that read, you ain't learning nothing when you're doing all the talking. That's pretty good. You're not learning nothing when you're doing all the talking. I'm just going to give you a piece of advice, teenagers. When your mom and dads are upset with you, shut your mouth and listen. Just don't even say a word. Just listen. You say, well, it's not fair. Don't say that. It's not getting better by saying that. You will be surprised that if you will just listen and go, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. How much better life can be. And there'll be a time when you'll probably have an opportunity, if you'll respond that way, to share your heart, your feelings. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with hearing out a teenager. But I'm telling you, it's not time to argue with mom and dad. It's not time to argue with the the boss whenever there's a problem. Pick your battles. Find out when it's best. I'm telling you, you've got to hear what people say sometimes. Before we jump to conclusions, we think we already know what they're going to say. Maybe they're not going to say what you think. Do you know that listening shows respect? I mean, there are times just to listen, because listening shows respect. Whenever you don't pay attention to what others have to say, you send them the message that you really just don't value them. But when you listen to people, you communicate that you respect them. Even more, you show them that you care. This idea that that I I, I don't, I know, be quiet. I I don't care what you have to say. That's not showing any respect. Walking out on somebody in the middle of a sentence just because you don't agree with what they have to say. You know, you just got to understand, if you're going to show somebody respect, you have to be willing to listen. And in listening, you show them that respect. You show them that what they say has value, that they themselves have value in your eyes. That's the real danger. When husbands fail to talk and and listen to their wives, what they're saying to their wives is that you aren't really that valuable to me and what you have to say means absolutely nothing to me. And it works the same way with ladies. Your husband says, yeah, but I just, and you're like, no, I've already been there. You don't understand what I deal with around. I know, but I'm just, whatever. And he goes, obviously what I have to say doesn't matter. Obviously I'm nothing. I'm telling you, listening is So valuable. It's so important because of what it says to the person that you're listening to. German-born philosopher, theologian Paul Tillich, he made the statement, the first duty of love is to listen. Is to listen. The first duty of love is to listen. I grew up in the John Wayne era. The Duke. You know what I mean? When I heard that song, Duke of Earl, for a long time as a kid, I thought it meant John Wayne. I had no idea. And when I heard about, well, I won't go to that song, but I always thought it was John Wayne they were talking about. Man, I mean old John Wayne. He knew how to swoon the ladies. I mean, that was John Wayne. I mean, he didn't know talk, man. He just grabbed him and gave him a big smooch. Now he'd be thrown in jail. But in the day, he was the, he was the bomb. John Wayne, boy. But let me tell you something. 
that's not real life. <laughs> Listening's important. It is the first duty of love. Listening is. Listening shows respect, but it also builds loyalty. It builds loyalty. You know, a funny thing happens when you don't make a practice of listening to people. They find others that will listen. It's, it's amazing, isn't it, how couples will have problems and they choose not to talk. They kind of separate. They distance themselves from one another. And then they're amazed that they found somebody else to talk to. How's come you're talking to her? How's come you're talking to him? Maybe because they're not talking to you. I'm telling you, you say, well, that isn't how it ought to be. It doesn't matter what ought to be. What matters is what is. Do you realize that people are wired the way they're wired and that you can't change that just because it's not the way it's supposed to be? I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not going to give any credence to it, but I tell you this. Gentlemen, if we will neglect our wives and not listen to them, guess what? They'll probably find somebody that will. Whether it's a girlfriend or some other acquaintance or whether it's possibly another guy at work or possibly somebody they got a hold of on internet, I'm telling you, it's a scary thing. Now, ladies, that doesn't give you the right to do that because you have a husband that don't speak to you. I hope you're a better Christian than that. But the fact is, is that flesh is still flesh. And, and ladies, the gentlemen are the same way. This idea that we can treat people the way we want to treat them, do what we want to them, and because they're a Christian, they're obviously just going to be perfectly fine, fall into place, and be perfectly chaste. That is not realistic. Good luck with that one. This idea that because we're Christians that we can't possibly make mistakes and that we're bigger than all those issues, we're not. We're flesh. You better be careful with this thing. I know I'm not painting a very positive picture, but let me tell you something. I've watched marriages fall apart because somebody won't communicate and speak to somebody else. And then they're all be so shocked about it. This is human nature. We need people to listen to us. Why? Because it says we're valuable. It says we're important. It says that we are loved. And a husband and a wife deserve that. Both do. They need that. Now, not only that, but listening is a great way to help others than yourself. You know that only skillful listeners can really develop strong relationships? Because it's the only way you gather information. It's the only way you get to really know someone. See, there's a time not to talk. There's a time to listen. We ought to close our mouths, shut our lips, and simply listen. And if we would do that... We might be surprised how much better our relationships would be, how much better our lives could be, how much fuller they could be. Great listeners make the best friends. They make the best students. They make the best Christians. They make the best leaders. We should hold our tongues when it's time to listen. But not only that, we should hold our tongues when we don't have anything really worth saying. Anything really worth saying. I, I know that we're speaking about the tongue, but I think that an extension of the tongue are the thumbs. Okay? I, I'll be honest with you. How much of this is stupid? It has no purpose, no meaning, totally and completely Futile. And often childish even. I, I, I'm just saying, 
the tongue and the thumbs. I think that they're kind of synonymous in our culture today. And we need to be careful because you know what? There are so many times we really don't have anything important to share, but we just got to talk. And I'm telling you, when you don't have anything really worth saying, you shouldn't be speaking and you shouldn't be texting and Facebooking and all the stuff that goes on. Everybody's like, oh, yes. Okay. I'm just watching how much trouble people are getting into. Every idle word, yes. Every idle text, every idle type, whatever you want to call it. See, we're, we are often, I don't know about you, but we are often more impressed with our views, our thoughts, than other people are. We think what we're thinking about, what we're talking about, is, is all that matters. It's the most important thing in the world. But it's only that way to us many times. I, 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 listen, I, I like, you know, sometimes I like just facts. I like things. But information is something that you can overload on too sometimes. You know, I don't have a problem with hearing what's going on in someone's life and things like that. I, I, a matter of fact, I like to keep up. That's wonderful, but... Uh, boy, I'll be honest with you. I don't have Facebook for a reason. Can I be perfectly honest with you why I don't have Facebook and I don't want anything to do with it and I want to be about 10,000 miles away from it? Because I don't want to hear what some of you talk about outside of this church because I don't want to have to deal with it. When we're liking songs that we know are unchristlike, when we're using quotes that have cuss words in them, when we're liking this and liking that that isn't, isn't pure and holy. I, I don't even want to see it because if I see it, then I'm obligated to deal with it. I don't want to see it. I know somebody says, well, quit burying your head in the sand. I think it's probably better that I do sometimes. When the Lord tells me to get a Facebook account and listen and see everything that goes on and all the words that are spoken, probably even by some of you, I don't know. I hope not, but I just know how human nature is. People get upset. I'm amazed sometimes what people write when they're upset. Remember years ago when you were upset and you walked over to your phone and you were going to give somebody a piece of your mind and you picked up the receiver and you started to dial and you went, ah, I better think about this. Remember when it used to be that, that way? It, pick it up. You had to get all the way over to the phone. Pick it up. You start dialing. And then all of a sudden there's an emptiness at the end and you think, Ugh, I better think it through before I get on there. I'm so mad I'll probably say something I'll regret. Remember, remember how it was when you're writing that letter, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. You write the whole letter out. Then you start to reread it and you go, ooh, ouch. Ah, I better wait. Let me just throw that one away. Remember how that used to be? You know what it is today? Oh, I'm so angry. It's that quick. And then it's out there forever. Well, that, that's difficult. I, I'll be honest with you. When we don't have anything really worth saying, we probably shouldn't say it at all. The Bible says, Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. 
There needs to be an element of humility here. Be careful what you're saying. The Bible goes on to say, even a fool when he holdeth his peace is counted wise, and a man that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. You know what that's saying? I can grab any one of these young people, and they'll stand up, and I can have them stand there and just, just in, I mean, stand, go ahead, stand up, brother. Yeah, yeah, please. Just, just don't say we're just turn face the crowd there. Take your hands out of your pocket. That, that's not a good look. Okay, there you go. All right. Yeah, there you go. Look at him. He looks sharp, doesn't he? He looks like James Bond. Right? Like James Bond. You know what? Everything's fine until he opens his mouth. I'm teasing you, brother. We've heard you preach. You do a good job. You may be seated. But let me tell you something. You wouldn't know the difference. You see him, you think, man, sharp young fella. Man, he's got it together. That guy right there is going places. But the moment he opens his mouth, you'll find the true picture. You'll understand really what he's all about. Next thing you know, ugly words are coming out of his mouth. Or he's being critical and cynical of things. He's hurting people with his tongue and you go, my, he's so, that's not what he looks like. Before I saw him, I could have swore he was a sharp young fella, but now I know he's a fool. But even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And a man that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. How much better off would all of us be if we didn't speak as much? In one of Aesop's fables, a donkey walking through the woods found the skin of a lion. Hunters had killed the, the lion, and there the carcass lay, and the skin there to dry in the sun. The donkey, he decides, you know what, I'm going to put the lion's skin on. And he was just delighted. Delighted to discover that all the other animals throughout the, the rest of the, the woods were just terrified of him. They ran away from him the moment he showed up. Rejoicing in his newfound respect, the donkey brayed his happiness. I don't know what donkey sounds are, but he brayed in happiness. But the moment he did that, he gave his true identity away. The moral of the fable was clear. Fine clothes may disguise, but silly words will disclose a fool. And as long as he kept his mouth shut, they thought it was a lion they were dealing with. But the moment he brayed and did the thing that donkeys do, they said, oh, wait a second, that's not a lion. The best thing a young person could ever do is listen and watch and learn. And sadly enough, the best thing most of us probably, the best thing we'd most best be to do, excuse me, would be to do the same. Too many words can get us into quite a bit of trouble, can't they? If I could have a show of hands in the crowd today and say, have you ever said some things that you wish you didn't say, that got you into a mess, that exposed you maybe for, not, to, for being something that you did not want to be exposed as, I think a lot of our hands would go up around here. I mean, I want people to respect me. I want people to believe me to be that person, that godly person, that Christian I ought to be. But let me tell you something. If you're not careful with your words, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If your heart ain't right, your, your speech is going to betray you. People will hear it sooner or later. You'd be better off to be quiet while you're working on getting things together. And then that way you can get it together and then you, your speech won't betray you. 
When the Cornerstone Bank in Waco, Nebraska was robbed of some $6,000 in November of 2012, the bank employees were able to give the police a fairly good description of the teenage girl who pulled off the crime. They were even able to give them a good description of the car that she escaped in. As it turned out, the investigators didn't really need those descriptions, though. The reason they didn't need the descriptions was because the thief recorded a YouTube video entitled Chick Bank Robber, (laughs) boasting of her, her, her escapades, talking about the robbery. Fanning out the cash in front of the camera, 19-year-old Hannah Sabata, she held up a sign that read, I just stole a car and robbed a bank. Now I'm rich. I can pay off my college financial aid, and tomorrow I'm going for a shopping spree. I mean, big sign. Later, she held up another sign which read, I told my mom today, uh, I told my mom today that it was the best day of my life. She just thinks I met a new boy. Hannah's brief criminal career ended that week as the police took her into custody. <laughs> I, I really, I'll be honest, when you don't have anything really worth saying, you probably shouldn't say it. Right? Probably half these guys over here would be dating a girl about like Hannah. Sorry, fellas, I'm picking on you guys today, man. I can just tell, Chase, man, you're looking at me like, yeah, I would. I would, yeah. That, that's, my, that's, that's right where I'm at, preacher. If she's good looking, I don't care how stupid she is. I, I don't care. <laughs> Rob a bank, baby. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> oh, no, nah, not Chase. He's a, he's a man of character. Right, Chase? All right, brother. All right, just checking, just making sure. That's amazing, isn't it? Boy, I'll tell you what, we got to be careful with our tongues. So careful. And uh, I don't know about you, but I tell you, it's not, it's not an easy thing to control the tongue. It's very difficult. When it's time to listen, we ought to listen. And when we really just don't have anything worth saying, we ought to just listen. We ought to just close or shut our, our lips and just not say anything. May God help us. I wonder if there's somebody that just, just in a moment as we're thinking, that you've said something that hurt them. I wonder if there's somebody at work or at school, maybe somebody in your own family, maybe a husband, a wife, possibly a, you know, an extension of your family, maybe an aunt or an uncle or a cousin or a nephew or niece. You've used your tongue and you've said some things that were harmful and hurtful, maybe even hateful. And you, you may not even have meant to say it the way it sounded, but boy, you know it, it landed a blow. You know, as believers, it's important that we understand that we're responsible for those things. I, I think so often, you know, we're trying to do the right things and we want to be the right person we ought to be, but we leave things undone. And when we're trying to witness to family and friends and others, they're, they're, they're wondering, well, that seems pretty inconsistent. I heard what you said to so-and-so. I heard how you responded to the boss. I, I, I saw how you responded to your mom and dad, and here you are now talking to me about being godly or trying to get right with God. That seems like maybe you ought to do that first. 
And, and I just want to encourage you. Maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart tonight and reveal something you've said, someone that you've hurt or harmed, something that you've done in secret even with maybe someone. Maybe you talked about somebody you shouldn't have talked about. And you need to make that right with that person that you were talking to and saying, I should have never said those things about that person. Because I'll tell you what, the sins of the tongue will come back to haunt us. They do. They come back to haunt us. We need to make them right. We need to get them st- make straight and make right those problems. Because the Bible says every idle word will be brought before the Lord. We're going to pay a price. We're going to have to give an account for those idle words. We might as well get them right and get them behind us. And deal with them. Confess them. And you don't get those right by just give, confessing to God. You've got to get those right by going to the person you hurt. You've got, you got to get it right with them. So, the scope of the volume or the distance that it traveled is the distance that your, record, your recourse has to be. You hurt three or four people, they heard you say bad things about someone, then all three or four of those people need to be approached. Someone says, that's, that's just, I'll, I'll confess to God, but I am not going to confess to people. That's because you're not humble. It's because you're arrogant and you're prideful. And that's why your life's a mess, my friend. Until we get humbled, until we understand that it's not about how we feel about ourselves or what we, other people think, it's more important than what God thinks. Amen. We got real problems in our Christian lives. May God help us to be humble enough to make right the wrongs of the tongue. Because there's probably more wrongs with the tongue than any other aspect of our lives. Father, we come.